she likes you, she thinks you're swell. Got the makings of a dance hogger. Hey everybody, thanks for checking out Bleach Mouth Postscript. My name is Larry. On this podcast, I generally have a guest and they come armed with five pieces of music that uh, we discuss. They can be LPs, they can be EPs, they can be songs. It doesn't matter what it is as long as we're talking about music. Today's guest is Kat, the vocalist for the hardcore band FOM. She's also the co-host of the podcast Double Daria. Uh, prior to this conversation, I had never met Kat. Uh, I had heard uh, an interview she'd done on uh, Nothing Better To Do podcast, a uh, friend of this particular show, Rich Miles' uh, project. Um, I really was interested in uh, what she had to say about being a member of the hardcore community at large and her experiences in that context. Anyway, we had a really fun conversation and uh, I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. It's getting dark, we'll miss the late night bus. It's only eight, well I'm not taking any chances. What's that noise? Why'd they come back? I'm licensed uh, pre-K through three. Oh, okay. For special ed and gen ed, but right now I'm in a pre-K um, low, <gasps> low incidence unit. I've been there for six years. That's awesome. Yeah, I it's my second career. Well, I didn't really have a fucking okay. career before that. I was <laughs> a dipshit being in hardcore bands. That's what right? I was doing. Instead of <laughs> finishing college like I should have. Right. And um one I had a gig at a um charter, which was not gonna happen because mm-hmm. I'm union all the way, but I had to get my yeah. I, had to, I had to start making money right away. Mm-hmm. Same. I wasn't, I, wasn't what making, I, did. I wasn't making shit actually. I don't know who I'm doing. Yeah. I'll be cutting all this out. <laughs> nobody wants to hear us talk shop. Um, how are you? I'm good. I'm yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> How I'm ready was, for the school year to be over. <laughs> yeah. It's um yeah. I think everybody needs a break, a, a reset. Yeah. Um yes. Things are opening up too quickly. Yeah. But uh the reset is much needed. <laughs> yes. So just just as a matter of course, how long have you been uh singing for FOM? Uh we started um at the very end of 2016. So about four and a half years it feels like a lot less than that I don't know where four and a half years went but it's been four and a half years Oh! 
Is this, this is not your first band, is it? No, I had a band when I lived in Boston called Road Rage. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which started as a joke and then like many hardcore bands and then was like semi-serious. Like we wrote a little more serious, serious songs and like played a bunch of shows and stuff. So. Well, having been in hardcore bands myself, aren't they all a joke? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm it's being, hardcore, right? Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm being a jackass. I'm sorry. I just especially after this weekend in New York. I mean, <sighs> hardcore is a joke. So, yeah, I mean, that's like there's part of me that says, you know, that's not my world. Yeah, uh, I mean, there oh, are same. there are some of those bands from an earlier era that I love very much mm-hmm. and. I, you know, I, I'm 48. So I was like listening to a lot of those bands as early as 86, 87. So, you know, that's what I kind of cut my teeth on. Um, But when I became more involved in playing music and doing shows and stuff, it was like, that wasn't, it's not my world. So part of me is kind of like, part of me doesn't give a fuck what those guys do. Yeah. But another part of me says there's no, um, sense of responsibility for other people that's yeah. frustrating mm-hmm. it's just like a strong reminder that there's this whole contingency in the hardcore scene that's just like <clears throat> very much not really about community it yeah. really isn't and it's all those like not all of them you know but a lot of those old heads that are just like they really just don't give a fuck and it's just like a whole part of the scene that like, I mean, when I was young and like new to hardcore, like I loved Madball, but like, I don't like, it's not something I listen to or relate to anymore. Right. Um, so it doesn't feel like it's my hardcore scene. Um, well, let me ask you, and this is kind of a, um, a weird question. It, yeah. You brought up Madball. And yeah, the milieu that a lot of those, the sandbox, a lot of those bands playing. Did you ever yeah. feel as a woman that that was your band, your scene? <laughs> That's a softball no. question because I knew you're. I knew what you were gonna say. But... <laughs> Absolutely not. I yeah. mean, that was no like the like the bands that made me feel like I was part of the scene were a lot more like melodic hardcore bands. Yeah, you know, bands like. American Nightmare and Modern Life is War and you know Stretch Armstrong was a huge influence for me because I knew them personally too and they were just the greatest people that made me feel so comfortable they're also like two of them are were were and are teachers so it's like I think relatable in that way too yeah but like that whole that whole scene of hardcore is just I mean, the machismo level is so high. It's like never something I felt like I was part of. I, you know, like I, like Blood for Blood is another really good example where it's just like, oh my God, like this is like not welcoming. Yeah. I mean, listen to the lyrics and the thing, you know, like it's just, there's so much that, yeah, it just shows how it was very much a man's, a man's scene. It's weird. I've said this in some of my other episodes, but I always felt that 
hardcore suffered from the fact that when it kind of became a thing, you know, everybody was like in their early teens, mid teens, mm-hmm. you know, whereas like the older punk rock contingent, which, you know, a lot of people scoff at, they were in their early to late twenties, which is mm-hmm. old by mm-hmm. hardcore and punk standards. Right. There was, there was, <laughs> it, it, it seemed to me like there were more women involved and mm-hmm. having discovered hardcore punk through my two older cousins records, Tammy and Shelly, mm-hmm. who were both musicians and both into the first generation of hardcore it seemed odd to me that there weren't more women involved yeah you know that being said i'm very much in touch with my inner goon like i'm very like (laughs) i you know i mean yeah there there's but the problem i have with a lot of those bands and the older heads is that you know have you not processed all this vitriol Mm -hmm. yet I mean, yeah. you guys are adults. Put on yeah. your big boy pants, you know? Yeah. And it that doesn't mean stop singing those songs, but it just some of the, you know, reactions and interactions that have gone yes. on this weekend just sort of said to me, it's like, yo, man, you're you're a fucking adult. Yeah. You know, it's like just stop. I mean, mm-hmm. nobody's saying you can't have whatever trauma that put you in the place that you were in when you made those records mm-hmm. take ownership of it but what are you doing with it afterwards yeah yeah and I just don't have an answer for that you know because I doubt their traumas or any I doubt that they're dissimilar from my own yeah you right know, and I'm not patting myself on the back I'm just saying that you know grow the fuck up man it's like yeah <laughs> and I my only comment through social media which I've largely tried to avoid it was just that <laughs> I I I'm not surprised, but I'm still shocked at the same time that some people who made some of the most important records in the world to me yes. are complete morons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. Yeah. It it felt very much like these like fragile male ego things happening. And just like I gotta say, like one of my first thoughts was like, man, some of these guys would really benefit from something like therapy. Like maybe they really like. Uh, maybe they are getting therapy. It doesn't seem like it with the way that they're interacting and reacting. Like, like JJ's reactions to everything were just so like poorly thought out, which I guess isn't surprising because of just like kind of the shit he's always saying. But yeah, it is hard when it's like records that were influential on me that got me into hardcore. Like people are just, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to realize it's almost this surface level of connection then to just the music. And it's yeah. like, I can't connect to the person. Like there's just, it's, I, it's embarrassing in ways. Yeah. I mean, I've kind of got to the point where I'm not 100% one of those people who says, um, well, um, you can still appreciate the art, but not, yeah. I, I'm not 100% yeah. in that yeah. camp. But there are some times where I do divorce myself from it because same. You know, I, I try to I try to stay from some of the more questionable, you know, yeah. uh bands that I might have liked in my youth and just it was a blind spot to me that I just didn't right. see for what it was. But you know, look, I still own the antidote seven inch, it's still a great record, but yeah. that fucking song is horrible. It's yeah, you know. Um, but Chromags, which was my first hardcore show with the original yeah. lineup. That's, that's so cool <laughs> that's well 
that's really <laughs> hard for me to sort of, I'm, I'm having difficulty navigating that one Yeah, because, you know, I don't spend a lot of time shit talking people on podcasts either, but JJ's a low level con man. Yeah. And I just don't, it's, it's kind of heartbreaking in a way. Cause that record meant a lot to me. And I'm not saying right. I'm never going to listen to it again. I'm not that kind of person. Right. But right. There Same. Is, there is a sort of a uh, little bit of a heartbreak there with that. Yeah. You know, I totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, yeah. My heart was really, my heart was really broken that Walter was there. I was like, really? Come on. Like Gorilla Biscuits been a huge influence. Walter didn't strike me as the type who <laughs> would be into thousands of people gathering together in a very unsafe way. So that was like really hard for me to like see somebody that like I appreciate and have looked up to. How many of those folks, and I'm not trying to make excuses for people yeah. how many of those folks do you feel showed up the show with good faith and good intentions and not meaning for it to become this huge giant three thousand person gathering you know because yeah. walter Schreifels never struck me as a person who uh is like a covid denier or an anti-vaxxer right. or right. necessarily an irresponsible person i wonder if right if he got there and was like well i'm here you know um but yeah. it is still disappointing that you know yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. I don't, I'm not married to Walter Schreifel, so I'm not trying to defend him too much. But I, I yeah. kind of I, there. There's got to be a lot of people that are, like are kind of like sort of, you know, cringing a bit at themselves yeah. after having gone to yes. the show. <laughs> one of my one of my friends went to the Providence show, and he had like posted a video, and I was like, "Man, that doesn't sound like how the show was supposed to go." And he was like, "Yeah, I was really naive about it. I really thought like people were going to social distance and wear masks, but I should have realized that wasn't going to happen." So I think, yeah, I think there was a lot of good intention. It was just the impact was pretty severe. So, and it's it's really weird because I have a lot of friends who um, own uh, bars and things mm -hmm. like that, and they're really struggling right now. And yeah. I know there's been some folks who have, you know, they're doing shows and and these people I do know yeah. are being as responsible as possible, yeah. but I'm kind of like a buddy of mine said, we're playing a show in July. I'm like, July, July. <laughs> and, and look, you know, that's, that's two months from now. So, yeah. you know, things might be, you never know, but I'm still like, uh, can we wait till fall? And right. I don't, I don't want to hector people or, rate them but i'm just nervous yeah you know i yeah. mean because it's been difficult look you know most of my students haven't been able to get their related services because mm -hmm. everything's been socially distanced and yeah. virtual yeah and most of my students are medically fragile so first yeah. and foremost i'm thinking about them i'm not worried mm -hmm. about a fucking hardcore show exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> Yeah. But you said you liked melodic stuff. So I yeah. want to, I want to, <laughs> I want to jump in right away. Um, okay. I did actually listen to the stuff I hadn't, had never heard before because okay. generally I don't, I just let people tell me about what they like and you're going to do that. Yeah. Too, trust me. Okay. But <laughs> with my friends, it's easier for me to just have them just go, but we don't yeah. know each other. So this is yeah. a cold call. Right. Um, I listened to Tuesday and <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> unless, 
unless my ears deceive me, I hear a strong, strong, I don't want to say similarity, but it really, cause I didn't go back and then listen to these guys, but man, I just thought, get up kids. Uh-huh. I thought get up kids. I'm like, and the only reason I know anything about get up kids is my wife at the time was absolutely head over heels in yeah. love with get up kids. Yeah. There's a certain earnestness to their music that I think she appreciated. Can you talk about the first time you yes. heard Tuesday? That was like oh, what? 97. Yeah. So Tuesday, oh. I loved that band so much. I grew up outside of Chicago. So I grew up in like a prime place in the 90s, especially. Um, no, I grew up in Northwest Indiana. Okay, Munster, I'm just Indiana. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and uh, so I had an older sister who got into punk um, and emo and all of that stuff. And she turned me on to like Jawbreaker. I got to see Jawbreaker when I was like 15 or 16, like right before they broke up. And Tuesday was a band that she introduced me to. Um, and I fell in love with them immediately because I liked the Get Up Kids. Like when I got my first car, like the day I got my driver's license, I had Get Up Kids for a minute mile on one side of a tape and Tuesday freewheeling on the other side of the tape. And that's like all I listened to. And so Tuesday is members of Slapstick, um, which was like a big Chicago ska band that had Brendan Kelly, who was in the Broadways and the Lawrence Arms. Um, But it has Dan Adriano, who's in Alkaline Trio, and he's the vocalist and plays bass in Tuesday. And so I loved Tuesday. I loved their sound. I loved that style of emo, like just really melodic. Um, I saw Tuesday a lot. And then they broke up because Dan joined Alkaline Trio and I hated Alkaline Trio, (laughs) hated them (laughs) for that because I thought Tuesday was the best band in the world. They were my favorite band in high school and I still love them and I still listen to them. And like, I would do anything to see Tuesday play again. Um, I feel like they would have been huge if it wasn't for Alkaline Trio. (laughs) Um, But I hated Alkaline Trio for a really long time um, because of it. I do. God damn it came out. (laughs) I have this like very distinct memory of we had this record store in Homewood, Illinois. I don't remember the name of the record store, but there was a venue behind it called Off the Alley. And I was in the record store one day waiting for a show. And like the girl was listening to something. And I remember like looking through seven inches and I was like looking through all these emo seven inches. There was like a mineral seven inch and all this stuff. And I'm listening to the music and I was like, what is this playing? This is really good. And I went up to, it was like this high fidelity moment. I went up to the girl at the counter. I was like, what are you listening to? And she was like, "Um, it's the new Alkaline Trio. And we were both just like, it's really good. Like we didn't want it to be good and it was so good. And then I, then I fell in love with Outline Trio, but yeah, Tuesday was just like probably the biggest, one of the biggest influences on me and my favorite band in high school. And everybody should listen to them, especially if you like bands like the Get Up Kids or, you know, anything like that. Yeah, I was as I was listening, I thought to myself, this is one of the hallmarks of a lot of bands that uh, and again, I'm painting with broad strokes, but Mm -hmm. a lot of bands in the 90s that were mining 
that sound like yeah. there's an earnestness to their vocals and yes. there's a quiet loud component that goes yeah. on with it yeah. and the melodies are undeniable mm-hmm. you know um it just you know it's so funny because i remember getting really bent out of shape when you know get up kids out my wife time and i would argue and she's just like oh you know emo and i'm like this is just college rock you know <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> And she was so put off by that. I'm like, I'm not, that doesn't make it bad. It just means that's college rock. And that's so she, funny. She's she's my age, and so she knows what college rock is. Yeah. I'm like before alternative, there was this thing called college rock. That's what this yeah. is. So, so funny. And we used to have these like yeah, childish arguments in our early twenties about yeah. you know what was emo and what wasn't emo. You know. Yeah. Um, although I, mean, I I will say what people seem and again i'm i'm so old i don't know what the kids are listening to listen <laughs> to me the the young people are listening Youth. to you know um what i feel like my son's 18 and he mm-hmm. he said my buddies listen to this band i'm like oh what are you he's like i don't know some emo band i looked at him like doesn't look like a uh-huh. fucking, that doesn't look like an emo band I mean, it looks like a a death rock band i mean yeah and I yeah. played him expecting to hear 45 Grave and no, it was something else. I was yeah. like, I don't know what this is. Okay. You know. Yeah. Yeah. That's been like a big, that's like a, a big generational thing I've learned. Um, with I think people who like were, you know, teenagers or in their 20s and like the 90s, and they like kind of like there's emo, like there was emo, like sunny day, and mm-hmm. like embrace you could probably probably even throw in there yeah. and like jawbreaker and like the first get up kids and stuff like that like i don't think something to write home about by the get up kids is very emo i find that much more poppy yeah but then there's like this other generation of kids who are like my chemical romance is emo and fallout boy is emo and i'm like none of that is is emo i mean like, that's just like pop punk to me uh, yeah it's like like get up kids in Tuesday and even promise ring and yeah. any other number, they had, they had pop elements, which is perfectly yes. fine. Yeah. Like I love a good pop song. Like, yes, you know, but pop punk is not something I dug. And those yeah. bands that I just mentioned, you can't accuse them of being pop punk. They're not pop punk bands. Yeah. So when you hear, like you said, the fallout boys and the other bands of that ilk, it's just like, well, first, like to your point, you're right it's pop punk but they look yeah. like death rock people yeah <laughs> it's like were you listening to Nybotten when you got dressed this morning i mean right? because it's like i don't i, I don't yeah. get it you know it's it's so interesting it's do you so have interesting a, do you have a favorite song from that record oh god i don't know that's okay i'll put it whatever i'll just listen to it again and put whatever i feel is necessary <laughs> uh, let me look let oh, me. you don't have. I'm just putting you on the spot. No, it's I'm gonna. Fun. <laughs> Let's see what my favorite song is. Um, oh God, that's so hard. I bet that tape you had, you had uh, one on one side, one on the other side, but it was like an auto reverse tape, so you didn't even have to turn it over. It just click you're right. In the car. Yeah, that, right. Wasn't that, wasn't that perfect? <laughs> right. Um, I would say probably. Oh, God. Probably disappear.
too much of today but that song is like just like a little too lovey-dovey for me oh. <laughs> like for for like emo in my opinion like I wanted to be sad and I wanted sad songs I didn't want love songs do you find yourself so, attracted uh more to the sad music in oh general God, or yes oh you're you like the sad bastard stuff too it's not good I've had to stop listening to it because it's gotten really bad <laughs> I was talking with a friend early on and uh, he was a writer for our newspaper. Yeah. And uh, we were talking about jazz and I was like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I said, I like a lot of jazz, but not, not as much as he does. Yeah. I said, you know, I'm pretty limited. I said, he goes, do you like a lot of the jazz vocalists? I said, you know, Chet Baker and Billie Holiday. Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, you like the sad bastards. Yeah. And I'm like, yep. Yeah. You know. Which, yeah. by the way, if you haven't seen it, watch that Billie Holiday film. It's oh, amazing. I want to watch that. Yeah, it's really, okay. really good. It's super sad, and it's kind of, it's not exploitative, but I could see, okay. you know, you could totally see how that story might seem, you know. But it, it hits all the right notes. It's a great film, and okay, as an unabashed fan of Billie Holiday, you know. But yeah, I love yeah. sad bastard music. Like Billy, yeah. give me Billie Holiday, Tom Waits, Nick Cave, yep. all that gruesome melancholy <laughs> and. I'm a happy boy. Martha by Tom Waits is one of my favorite songs. And it makes me cry every time I listen to it. 
Lee's spent so many years. She remembered my old voice while I fight the tears. Hello, hello, there is this Martha, this is old Tom Frost.
he's so fucking so, great. <laughs> it's such a sad, it's like that long lost love, like calling your long lost love. I still remember the first time I heard it. I had like fallen asleep in a car ride with my ex and I like heard it and I woke up and I was like, this is the best song I've ever heard. And he's like, it's really sad. And I was like, I know. But yeah, I'm a big fan of sad music. Yeah. It's like, those are the songs that make you feel things, you know? And so, but I've had to like take a break from listening to sad music. It's hard, you know, just like sometimes I have to take a break from listening to aggressive music. Yeah. Oh, same. Yeah. Oftentimes I find myself, if I'm playing in a band actively, I don't listen to hardcore or metal. (laughs) I listen yeah. to other stuff because I'm like, yeah. I just don't need it in my yeah. kicking around my skull. Yeah. You know, um, funny anecdote. I have a, I have 18 year old, a four year old, and a two year old and my two daughters, the youngest, I was driving in the car with them the other day and uh, Tom Waits came on and my four year old goes, daddy, what's wrong with his voice? I'm like, nothing is, <laughs> I'm like nothing. His voice is perfect. And it was, you know, one of the more recent yeah. records. And so I did the impression and then she's back there trying to, she's, I can't do it. My neck hurts. Like, oh my God, that's adorable. <laughs> Although she does, oh uh, she does a good impression of Arnold Schwarzenegger saying, get to the chopper. Get to the chopper. Who is your daddy and what does he do? Get to the chopper. Get to the chopper. Oh, I'm sure. Predator. It's very That's funny. That's so cute. Oh, uh, kids. <laughs> oh, so your list made me a new fan of Boy Genius. Oh, God. That's sad bastard music. <laughs> well, here's the thing. So sad. You know, I had never, I'm like, okay, I don't know who this is. And I looked it up uh-huh. and, you know, Phoebe Bridgers is in it. Julian Baker. And I don't remember the other lady's name. Uh, Lucy Dacus. Okay. And I'm not familiar with any of their music at all. Okay. Oh, um, you should be. <laughs> Well, if you like sad music. Well, yeah, I mean, I only know Phoebe Bridgers because of the recent quote unquote bullshit controversy of all the, of, you yeah. know, fucking David Crosby being a shithead. Yeah. I was just like, let her break what she wants. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, right. Um, But as I was listening to this particular song, and I'm, and I'll shut my mouth in a second, I promise. Uh, there was a, are there a couple harmonies in there where I was like, Oh my God, is that Wilson Phillips? Uh-huh. And I don't mean that in a shitty way. I was like, that's, I that's beautiful. Uh huh. Because you can, people laugh at Wilson Phillips and they're, you know, kind of kitschy, but those ladies <laughs> were great singers, you know? Yeah. And I was like, you know, and when they did that, I was like, wow, that's cool. And this is your most recent one on this list. Yeah. Um, what was this, 2018? 2018. Yes. Yeah, 2018. Is this the only EP they've done? It's the only thing they've done, um, which sucks so much. I wish they would record something else. I don't even know how it came about. I heard of Boy Genius because I had heard Julian Baker and fell in love with her. And the the reason why I like I liked Julian Baker and then I fell in love with her because I saw this recording that she did of Accident Prone by... Um, Jawbreaker on the piano and it's like the most beautiful version of that song. Mm-hmm. 
genius and I was like not a big Phoebe Bridgers fan which would shock a lot of people who know me now um (laughs) I was not a big Phoebe Bridgers fan and then I saw her I went and saw Boy Genius play and each person had their own solo set and then they played all together and um I loved Phoebe Bridgers solo set it was really great and so that I put that record on there because that record is what got me to like fall in love with Phoebe Bridgers who like I adore and am 
like obsessed with now and her songwriting is amazing and um but I've had to take a break because I listened to it it's she's like an like a female Elliot Smith to me like you're gonna like if you listen to it so, too much I would say the same with Julian Baker like with both of them if you listen to it too much, you're going to go in that like spiral of depression where like, I can't listen to more than a couple Elliot Smith songs or it's not going to be good. (laughs) And I love Elliot Smith, but that's like what the point it's gotten to. Um, But just so talented. And like my favorite song in that boy genius is me and my dog. Um, Because it's really relatable. Like it's, I had a dog that I just lost in March. And when I got divorced, he was like the being that got me through it. And so that song's really relatable in a way. I'm actually getting a tattoo in two weeks. That's like based on that song (laughs) Um, of me and my dog, because it's like in honor of him too. So Thought I 
yeah. ironic that my dog started barking. Yeah, As what we're kind talking of dog? A standard poodle. His name is Max. Aww. He's a Hi, big Max. boy. And he, uh, <laughs> my thank you. My my wife was walking in the door. He heard her, so he started barking. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I I up I downloaded that whole EP. I oh. really 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 like it. I just I what didn't know what to think. I wasn't no I didn't know what I was getting into because like I said I'm not familiar with any of the other ladies yeah. work. I just know I'm the person that listens to his older records a lot more. Yeah. I've gotten in a better habit of of seeing newer stuff and getting newer stuff but and that's part of the exercise. One to get me to be a better listener and two yeah. to get people to turn me on to something different that I haven't cool. heard yet. So Cool. Um there's an elephant in the room because I kind of want to crap all over this but I'm trying not to. <laughs> Let's have it. Let's have at it. Come isn't, on. Isn't Gavin Rosdale just dreamy? <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I I don't. I'm not like, listen, I was a huge No Doubt fan. Like yeah. I bleached my hair in high school because I wanted to be Gwen Stefani. So like her and Gavin Rosdale were like the power couple. And then they got divorced because I think he like cheated on her. So like, oh, no, no, he's kind of a shithead. But now she's with that Blake Shelton dude, which is just, Weird. I don't even like, he must be a really great guy. He just like, must be just the best guy. I don't know. But Bush is like, hands down, one of the best bands ever. Okay. I have always loved that band. Um, just like it, but that being said, I, I'm only talking about like the first two records, so 16 Stone and Razor Blade Suitcase. Why this There's, one? Why this one over 16 Stone? 16 Stone was had the biggest hits on it, right? It did. It did have the biggest hits. And I recently did an interview where I said that 16 Stone is one of my favorite alt records because yeah. of all the hits. Razor Blade Suitcase, though, I really loved because I felt I still remember the first time I heard Cold Contagious, which is, which is my favorite song on the record. And I was like, oh man, this is like listening to Jawbreaker, Dear You. Like there's just elements of like good emo in that record. Like mm -hmm. I feel like they weren't a typical like radio rock band. Like I felt like they wrote some really interesting stuff and i'm not the only one in my band who feels that way my, our our guitarist chris also loves bush and yeah. the song hollow hope on our record is actually like a bush ripoff of cold contagious oh, like i'll, have, we ripped to go, it I'll off. have to go back and yeah. listen to that then. it doesn't sound the same but it's like meant to sound a little bit like it and so like i don't know i just love that band i just think i mean that they just like I'm I'm just teasing you because <laughs> I, I'm one of the I don't believe in guilty pleasures. People are allowed yeah. to like what they like unless it's like sticks journey foreign or shit like that. Then I right. will berate you for that. Yeah. But um, you know, like for example, look, I like Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah, that's fine. You know, it's like and, you know, um, but Bush is like they were just <laughs> a phenomenon in the nineties. It was well all of the nineties, just, there were so yes. many artists that came out and it was like, love them or hate them. They were like making far more interesting music 
than I thought was possible, at least at that level, you know, where people are selling millions of albums. Usually if you're selling millions of albums, your music isn't really all that interesting. And again, I'm speaking broadly, but that's generally a truism for me. Yes. Um, And I think, I think Bush encompasses like my love of like nineties alternative, because I could list, I don't even know how many 90s rock and alternative bands that I love like that's like I that's mainly what I still listen to like I listen to Nirvana all the time and I listen to Veruca Salt all the time and I listen to the Lemonheads and I listen you know like the gym block like the poppy rock to like the the grunge like all of it like I just love 90s rock and I feel really lucky that I got to like be a teenager during that time yeah and see a lot of those bands play and just like get to be part of it Yeah.
perfect day. I don't mind this. I'm better off by the way. I'm deeply grounded. silver chair which I still think is so cool because they were just such an awesome band of kids yeah, making like they were children brunch. they were children they yeah. were like my age when I would when I went to go see them play so yeah it's there's just I could have listed probably 30 or 40 like 90s albums that I love with Kat from FOM and the Double Daria podcast. Uh, part two's up now. Uh, go check it out. Thanks a lot for listening. Stone.